Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host, as always, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is my co-host, Sean Gray. I think Twitter answers that quite nicely for us both, possibly, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah! <clears throat> um, <laughs> we'd hoped the British Grand Prix was wetter. But for yeah, Lewis, it couldn't have gone better. Everything that they've been saying. In second place for a Finn, Ferrari's tyres packed in. Is that Toto on that knoll with the Beretta? More of a priority focus on the, the so-called <coughs> classic tracks. I had a little bit of time to think about that so, one. So, uh, yeah, it was yeah. a little bit of a... Came together nicely. A break so hopefully from the, that you can pick out that we are line, uh, going to talk about just, what was the British Grand Prix. I guess what we should probably talk about is the build-up. To that British sort of, Grand Prix being that we may not have and a British I, I, Grand Prix post just looking 2019. Silverstone um, have exercised their right to break Bernie Eccleston's punitively the, uh, expensive and ever-increasing costly agreement. And I think that, that wasn't a surprise to everybody, but I don't know if it was a surprise to you as it was to me, was to hear... Uh, Liberty's response to that to was to say, on, was quite negative about it, saying, you know, um, we're not going to suddenly start renegotiating contracts with all of our, with all the race circuits just because they can choose to activate a break clause because they signed a bad deal. Um, so I, which I, I thought was quite surprising, given that they'd been very positive about the Grand Prix media, kind of up until that in the point heat of the moment from from both sides, probably. And and once they actually sit down and talk about it, we will get a resolution. But you're you're spot on. It did seem a bit of a break from the the Liberty Party line. Um, I I I I, I, I struggle to get too excited about it, but I, I think a deal will get done. Like you know, I'm. I, I'm not particularly phased at this stage. I'm not. It's yeah. Not up at night, so that makes the British Grand Prix. I think. I think. I think. I think it will stay on the calendar, and I hope it does. However, in my bitterness after the 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 Grand Prix last weekend, after the after the, I, well, I was. I, Lewis drove the race, a brilliant race, and deserved to win. But I, I, I was, I wasn't too fussy with that. What I was particularly frustrated with was the fact that Ferrari had somehow self-imploded and lost out on any kind of damage limitation if Vettel had come away with second or third there I'd have held my hands up and said fine you know the Mercury and Lewis were just quicker on the day but it was the fact that obviously they they had the tire issue and ended up losing all the points that they had that was particularly frustrating to me so in my in my post post-race meltdown on Twitter I think I commented Silverstone wants to leave, let it go, or something, just in anger. <laughs> uh, which I don't mean. Uh, I do want it to stay, and I think a resolution will get done. Having said that, I do prefer, I did prefer it before the changes they made. Um, I did prefer when Cops was the first corner and things like that. I think you're right. But I'm like that with Hock- in Hockenheim as well. Yeah, I-, um, I don't particularly like the changes they made to Hockenheim, so I guess I'm just developing a bit of a an old man mentality yeah. with these things and just say, oh, it was better in my day, you know? So, but yeah, of course we <laughs> want to see Silverstone stay. And like I say, I, I can't, 
see it not being there. So I find it really difficult to get worked up about <laughs> you don't care the anymore. conflict between them and, and Liberty just yet when I'm so so adamant in my own mind that, that, that there will be a resolution. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why should Britain get any any preferential treatment, which is which is a fair fair point. Um Well, Yeah, it's probably something in that. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Really, that the hit the nail on the head with it being that kind of Silverstone yeah, were a, a bit deal. too quick to say, just "Hey, guys, you know that we've got this break contract. We, well, that allows us to renegotiate right. neither, the contract with Liberty, which is something that maybe we can afford." Seeing as much in the media as it was kind of stupid. They should have just said, "Look, we're struggling to pay Pernie's deal." We really I don't, don't think, think it's going to be sustainable, so uh, we're probably going to have to... Thinking uh, aloud, but I, I think if Bernie was in charge, we wouldn't have clause, seen so much um, And then, um, you know, assess what the future holds. And kind of played it like that and not um, been so fairly public about saying, because he, he you know, really uh, I'm sure we can think. negotiate with Liberty <laughs> for a better deal. Because I'm sure Liberty would like to, but they can't have, you know, all of the circuits suddenly turn around and going, oh, well, we're paying... Bernie's stupid prices for this, um, you know. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to compare it to someone like Baku or, or um, Abu Dhabi or somewhere like that, I'd say to them, have a look at your own Grand Prix, mate. That's why <laughs> Britain yeah. should be renegotiated, and, and your Grand Prix could gently drop off the calendar, and I wouldn't notice. Um, uh, but but still, I mean, I would I would be knocked if I was paying you know, 60 million this year and then 70 million next year and 80 million the next year. Yeah. Is, is that right? That's insane. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing was that it didn't. It, well, I, th I think it just—it's just that Bernie it was never phased by that sort of thing. If you want, if you wanted to wear it in public, he'd make it. He'd turn it round to still make you look like you know, he'd he'd make the BRDC look really stupid um, because he didn't care. It, you know, it actually you know didn't yeah. phase him if they didn't pay the money and do it. He'd take the the show to somewhere else and make more money for 
CVC and, and nobody would care. Um, and the flat wouldn't fall on him because he'd make sure it would fall on the BRDC for not either being able to pay the contract or for signing something that uh, they knew that they couldn't sustain. Um, it's interesting in, in correlation to this, I saw something pass by on my F1 news feed that Spa is a sellout this year and it still is losing money. It's not made a profit. For sold out, can't make a profit. Now that's wrong. However, we however we work it. Um, if the whole point is that they could sell all of their tickets and still not be able to afford the race fee, then Liberty needs to sort that side of it out. If it's a case that if they sold everything out, they yeah, could easily yeah, afford the race fee disagree. and you know and make some profit, then it's a case that you know there's something up about how they're running that Grand Prix then, because you should be able to sell all of your grandstand and all of your yeah. capacity to get in. And it's going to you know, take time so long as the deal took to, and it's not going to happen overnight. Is, is fair enough, fair ish. Um, these then you should be able to walk out with profit. And we said this, we kind of said this last year, didn't we? Was taking the mic liberty out should be saying to all the circuits, look, they shouldn't stand um, for don't it. Like, pay us a spa fee. a great example. Pay us out of your profits. Tell me that spa the more money you make, the more money that we can then take back. One of the greatest reasons if you don't make loads of profits, then can't make a profit. That's fine. We kind of get less, but probably means that the uh, tickets these are cheaper. tracks have um, are beginning to realize yeah, that all those species you can afford to increase and you know spend money no in other areas to attract fans to things you can do bigger events and, and you look at the last couple of couple of grand prix and actually they've said there's the right been a lot going on and around the around the, the actual grand prix on going on now they need <laughs> and i think that's what liberty won but that'll only happen if the circus can afford to you know turn a because three day race into a four or five day event and then you know, we end up with an extra the day before and grand the day after Dubai the i don't know somewhere like that who obviously can afford it then that's just not good for the sorry game, I, I kind it? of good for anything, I kind of so. said everything about that because we'd already said it but hopefully <clears> it just goes back to that whole thing liberty that liberty really do need to renegotiate the all the contracts like although i can understand the right why they don't want to be held we'll over a barrel for it the proof is in the pudding yes let's talk about the grand prix the rain dances were out weren't they <laughs> Mm-hmm. We should probably should probably start with uh, with Lewis then. Pretty much, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where did it? Did he, he never made it? He didn't make it to the. Didn't start the race, did he? I, was it technical trouble on the formation lap? Hydraulics. Oh, yeah, I remember him saying on the radio now, actually, now they said that. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about weather. You know, it doesn't rain, but it pours for poor Julian. It's uh, his home Grand Prix pressure the size of Everest so on his back shoulders. So, the actual Robert Grand Prix Kibitz then that we were... literally have um, a seat fitted we as, just... at the time, as, as we talk pretty we, much, talking rumours of him I, coming it, up for spa and whatever else. It, it's so and threatened to be really interesting, in didn't it? We lap. had a semi-interesting um, quali with that is um, home grand prix you what know, can you say uh, lad. it going kind of back and forth and you know 
it looked like it was going to be. Uh, and all, I mean, all I know we'll get to the rest of the field in a moment, but the race finishing sixth, just there's no stay dry, no help, no help whatsoever. Half an hour after the race finished, lad. and it was just suddenly like, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, I don't know what to say really. We've we've talked about Julian quite extensively. It doesn't. Well, look actually, like I, I have I have a season. better suggestion. I think we should start with uh, poor Julian Palmer. <laughs> Only because he didn't 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 start the race. Uh, hydraulics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's either having a poor race or he's having a a failure. Yeah, basically, there's nothing positive to say. Yeah. The problem he's got as well is that the guy who looks like replacing him, i.e. Robert Kibitza, is one of the most popular guys in the motorsport across the world. So people are people are clamoring to have him in the car. People would nobody, including me, like every fan of this of this sport. Uh, I felt very I felt really very for him. Even if it's just he'd, done, he'd weekend, had an all right weekend up until do, that point. Do you know what I mean? He was, he was doing all right. He still got it. And uh, if it doesn't, and... if it doesn't work out for him. Because of his injuries, then fair enough. But you know, everybody wants to. It doesn't help, does it? Opportunity no. to, to prove if he can or can't go anymore. So Palmer's got to compete with not only a guy who, on his day, is extremely talented if fully fit, but someone who also has this emotional clamouring from the public to see him back in in the sport. It so gets less and less Palmer's, likely, and it's not even no his fault. Really but the problem at, is really, at the end of the day. Like with, without the ability the to show anything, nobody's going to be talking just, about what, oh, what you get left with is, is the everybody, memories I mean, of everybody his will be saying how poor races. So, whether or not it's his know. fault that his hydraulics failed, which it clearly isn't. Um, yeah, no race, <laughs> so that doesn't give him anything to say. Yeah, yeah, where's where, where do you push the good news from for that? So. And it's such a. And it. Mm hmm, absolutely. And 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 I'll, I'll, I want to see it, and that's harsher on Julian, but I, I want to see Robert Gibitza back in Formula One, just to know if he's still got it for a start, you know, just a, just a curiosity to see what he can do. And if he can do it, if he, can, if he gets that Renault, like you say, in and around Hulkenberg, then you know, that's that's brilliant. I, I, I loved Robert Gibitza when he was first here. And, and that's the problem. That's the problem they've got. Is, is it's, like it's said, such, such a good, good news, news story. story for Renault. Everybody's going to be it almost thrilled about it. Makes it impossible not There's to do it if there is a be chance. One bit of you know, damage, for all the fairness or unfairness that that might be to Julian, it it kind of is like look at this fairy tale story of you know Robert Kubica, you know, yep. uh, out injured from the sport, injuring himself in rally, and then you know making this majestic man in. Okay, it's not Renault. He's not going to win in races, probably. But if he turns yeah, up and is he'll have a few better of these. than, or, or make, you know, is immediately more consistent in the car, taking it into air, you know, the same kind of area of the grid that 
Nico Hulkenberg is finishing, then you can't not do it. And that's just the way that the dice are going to roll. Yeah, I agree. I said that on Twitter. You know, there's there's a few tracks that Lewis can turn up to and just just be blistering. Um, Canada was the one I mentioned on Twitter. Silverstone has become like that in recent years as well, where if he's got a car that is capable of winning the Grand Prix, he will win the Grand Prix. Like, you know, like if he if he has a car that is that is entitled to be at the front, that nobody can get near him. Um, like so he's got Bottas there in equal machinery and the Ferraris are a little bit slower this weekend. So he's got a car that entitles him to be to be in there. And the point I'm trying to get okay. is that nobody well, else driving that let's car. Let's move away from that and then beat him. Let, let's go back on to this, our, on this our kind race of winner. Weekend. He's just he's just uh, on it from start uh, to finish. And I Canada's think always been like that. that and, this and I think he's won one the last Lewis's three or the last four British or something like that. Dominant kind of weekends that he has. So Silverstone um, has definitely five or six times one of a season that he'll just pop up on a weekend tracks where and. Be pretty much just nearly untouchable. Uh, well, the, the Ferraris got closer. Even if Bottas had times, his um, um, trouble with the engine, sort of, and even uh, if the practice, Ferraris were um, a little bit in quality, a little bit quicker, he just seemed to be able to turn it on whenever he needed weekend. to this weekend. And that's the point I wanted to kind of make because I was I was just in such a bad mood after the race because the Ferrari tire blows that I, I didn't want to anybody going away with the idea that. I didn't think Lewis deserved to win because he did. Like he was untouchable this weekend. There's no doubt about it. I just I was frustrated that Ferrari couldn't salvage second and third, because um, I I don't think anybody would nobody would argue that Lewis wasn't wasn't the man this weekend. Um, it's just it's frustrating that the title race, the the lead that Vettel had has now pretty much been eroded through something so just very strange. With the tire blitz, both of them, just the, the two Ferraris in the space of a lap, the most one of the strangest things I've seen for a long time. So I was I was kind of um kind of in a bit of a bitter mood after the race and I wanted to make clear that yeah, like obviously the best man clearly won this weekend. The Mercedes looked on it, Lewis looked on it. A little bit worried that that the Ferrari just seemed a bit off just I'm a bit worried going into the second half of the season that the Mercs are maybe starting to steal a few tenths on the Ferraris. I, I would hate for the second half of the season to descend into Mercedes versus Mercedes with their two drivers. I, I really think it's important for the sport that the Ferraris and the Mercedes can keep this uh, team battle going on because we've had so many years of Mercedes versus Mercedes at the top of the Grand Prix that that we really need the second half of the season Ferrari to to stay with them. And I'm just a bit worried the last couple of races, Mercedes have looked that little bit sharper, three, four tenths um here and there when needed. And you know, when the when when the crunch part of the race comes to it, when it when it's the pole lapping quality, when it's the crucial point in the race regarding strategy and stuff, it seems like Mercedes just has that little bit of an edge at the moment. And that frightens me as a Ferrari fan and as a Formula One fan going into the, the final few months of the season because I think we need, we absolutely need a proper title fight between two different teams having had four, three, four years of Mercedes dominance. So a little bit apprehensive, a little bit disappointed, a little bit frustrated coming out of Silverstone, but wanted to make 100% clear 
Lewis was obviously the best guy here. Doesn't mean I'm happy about it, but he was clearly the man who deserved to win and drove superbly all weekend, did everything he needed to do, put it on pole, put it on top in practice, didn't see a rival in the race. So, yeah, Lewis deserved to win. Doesn't mean I'm not a bit frustrated. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the problem when these sort of things happen. And it, it was kind of the problem in the uh, with the title fight last year, wasn't it? That people would build up a lead and then uh, rubbish yeah. things would happen to them that meant that the lead would get eroded and it would swap around and then somebody would be in the lead and then it, it would go around. And, it, it, it you know, it, it would be one thing if Lewis that's wins just on pace. Bit. Do you know what I mean? And Vettel keeps on coming second or third in the races and that's how he erodes the, the the lead down and then eventually takes it over or something like that. I think we'd all sit there and just go, well, then that's fine, isn't it? If Lewis came comes first in all of the next races of the season uh, and Vettel only comes second, he'll overhaul the points difference and win the title. And at, at that point, well, they're good. The, the best driver won. He kept on winning races and that, you know, that meant that he won the title. It just kind of sucks, really, if yeah, I'm not, you, know, you what, get what somebody who is, is, is builds up a lead. And I know that, Lewis has had problems of his own, Lewis so you know, don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not suggesting lead. that um, and it's bad because Lewis has caught up. But it, like it's, I think it's a shame rather than it being bad. It's a shame for the title fight that there was a good lead which seemed to be pushing Lewis harder in his racing and bringing the best out of him. Can Lewis bring the gap down? You're right. I think it won't be good for the title race if he now wins the next two or three Grand Prix builds up another big lead and it doesn't look like Ferrari are capable of coming back from that because we'll just go into um, as a, as a fan. Mercedes and defensive like say, they mode just, they'll be able to manage it more than primed to do I think their, um, you know, their prerogative, like and, they, say, but and they just haven't been Mercedes able to do it for the last the three years because uh, it's really, been their own team so really they, you know, they, they haven't been able to sort of pro- uh, I'm just, I'm deploy I'm, a kind of I'm just, I'm and here's how about, we stop you scoring points in a race but you know that they can and will do that kind of strategy and Ferrari are capable of doing it as well again don't get me wrong it's not a Mercedes round this is just this is what will happen Whoever does that sort of, that you know, fear. as the season goes on weekends, and they get and, leads, um, then Austria. that's what... Um, I'm just... I've come away from those two races looking at the Ferrari pace and going, mm, just sort of biting my nails a wee bit and going, I'm worried they're not quite quick enough. 
and there and it's just it's left me a little bit on edge towards the the, the Sebastian Vettel Ferrari title fight. I'm I'm fingers crossed for a a good Hungary and b the four week summer break um to get you know hopefully Ferrari can come back from that and have have, have kicked on and 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 shown the pace that they were showing at the start of the season. I'm just I think what it is it's just nervousness for me having been so used to Mercedes dominance for the last few years. And before that, Red Bull, it's been so long since we've had a Ferrari consistently be at the top of the leaderboard for a whole season. You know, you're looking at even Raikkonen in 07, stole it at the end. Um, Massa in 08, I suppose, was at the top more or less the whole year, and him and Lewis. But the last 10 years... We haven't really had a Ferrari that's been able to string three, four, five victories together. You know, we haven't had that at all for 10 years. But Mercedes was more than capable of doing it. And before that, a Red Bull who was more than capable of doing it. And even before that, the Braun in 09 was capable of putting five race victories together in the blink of an eye. It's been, it feels like as a Ferrari fan, they've had to scrap for every victory. Every single victory they've made in the last 10 years has been hard fought. No, they've they've scrapped. They've won it on strategy. It's been tight. Even when Fernando was in the car, dragging that car to places that perhaps didn't necessarily have the justification to be there. He challenged for a couple of titles, just missed out narrowly through his own sheer world class that, that, that Alonso brings. So it's been probably over ten years since we've had a genuinely quick. Like, this car is the best car on the grid, Ferrari, that will dominate a weekend. And so I'm just now, because it's been so long, my brain's just kind of programmed. Now we're halfway through a season and the Mercedes are looking good. I'm thinking, it's, it's all going wrong. You know, I'm panicking as a Ferrari fan. It's not going to be good enough because I'm so, the last 10 years has been so, like, mm-hmm. pre-programmed to, to expect that. So now I'm just a bit like, oh no, I'm very pessimistic. It's going into the second half of the season, whereas at the start of the season I was a lot more optimistic and I was saying Vettel's going to do it. Now uh, that's turned and I'm feeling very pessimistic. So fingers crossed for A, me as a Ferrari fan and B, for the neutrals who want to see a fight between Ferrari and Mercedes. Fingers crossed the summer break provides everything they need and they can come back strong going into the second half of the season. I really, really hope so. I had had they got out of here with a second and third, I'd have probably been feeling a bit more optimistic because whilst I would have been a bit disappointed that um, Mercedes looked to be increasing the advantage in, in a quicker car at the moment, I could have at least looked at the table and went, well, Vettel's got a 20-point lead, Vettel's got a 15-point lead, whatever it would have been. That gives them someone to work with. But now we've got... <laughs> a car that looks like being second best and the gaps eroded, I'm just like, oh no, what's going on here? So, interesting times over the summer. Uh, we'll see what happens in Hungary this weekend with the Ferrari. I, I need to see, I just need to see, I need a wee confidence boost. I need to see a, a weekend where they look back on it. They've, my confidence has been shot a wee bit with regards to the quickness and the pace of the car. Uh, so, fingers crossed. I'd love to see you know, Vettel stick it on pole in Hungary, for example, to just say, this car has still got speed, you know, like, like we can still compete on one lap pace and stuff with the Mercedes. That's what I need just to to boost my spirits a little bit because this weekend was uh, was very, was a very downer as a Ferrari fan. Still not 100% sure what happened at the end. Um, a, a slow puncture, I think, has come out 
as the result of but on both cars it seems a bit strange very curious you you do you, you know anything is it any more to say about the tire blowouts Have you seen anything like that that you can think of recently in the last so many years? It's very, very curious. <laughs> Get Sebastian in front, yeah. It was just, um, yeah, at that point I was toys at, I was toys at the gram, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. There was loads of blowouts. That'd be, but that was on various different cars. You know, there was Force India's and Williams's and McLaren's and whatever else there was for us. There was The whole grid was having issues there. Whereas this was very much one team on the exact same lap as well, or within the space of one lap. So, and it wasn't like they were particularly old tires either. You know, they'd, they'd done. Uh, I don't think so. I think, that, I think you're right. Certainly, length. Kimmy's was um, a slow puncher that they said. I don't quite follow um, the techie stuff as much as some some people out there. Um, so maybe someone can. On uh, the same car, no. That was the weirdest thing about it. Was, it, was very, it went on Kimmy's car and you went, oh. Very curious. And if I tweeted this, so my tweet me, was, like, well, that's one way to get it, to swap the Ferrari around. And then I was waiting for it to happen. I was waiting for sort of Vettel to be in the lead and then no one be second. And I suddenly looked and went, well, he's in fifth now. Wait, what? Hang on a minute. And then they sort of cut to him and he was like, oh, he's got a puncture as well. Yeah, I'm looking back on it now. That tweet. finished third. Managed to take second. Have it was a very good race to be fair. Really odd. To get back there from the only time it was troublesome. The only time I've ever you would have ever seen that is kind of a stuff like that. Wasn't it, when they were messing about. Uh, Reckon and still managed to hang from third somehow. The other and messing about with ended up in, in seventh. Um, so, I mean, trying to shine a bright light on it. At least Vettel still managed to get some yeah, points. I suppose that's um, true. That's the only sort of salvation I can think of at this stage. And Kimi coming third, not the worst, but yeah, very strange and frustrating as a Ferrari fan. Credit, as I said to Lewis, and, and as I alluded to there, Valtteri drove uh, another, he was looking frighteningly quick at some points in the race. It certainly would have been interesting to see what Bottas could have done if he hadn't had his gearbox penalty. Like I said, I don't know if anybody would have touched Lewis in equal machinery this weekend. Lewis looked pretty, pretty unbeatable, but Valtteri certainly has the form in the book the last three or four races to to put a bit of a frightener on uh, on Lewis for sure. I think I think that's why I'm a bit downcast because in my head I'm still thinking if it boils down to a Mercedes versus Mercedes, my brain's just going, there's no way Lewis is going to be allowed to not win this title. You know what I mean? Like if it was Nico, if it was Nico in the car, say we had the exact same season as we're having right now, but Rosberg was in the car, I'd still be a little bit more optimistic because I'd think, well, even if it comes down to Lewis versus Nico, 
if, even if the Ferraris can't compete, at least Nico and Lewis will have some good battles. Because whereas whereas I get, I just got this sinking feeling in my stomach that if Ferrari can't compete, Lewis is just going to win everything because ultimately he he's the number one driver. Whether they like to deny it, whatever, that is just the the impression that I am receiving as a fan of the sport. That's the image that's coming to me. That if it boils down to Lewis versus Valtteri, Valtteri's kind of, I think, you know, you know, not really got much of a chance. In a way, Even that would, he will pick up the odd Grand Prix. That's win, the only way that there'd be a season sort of saviour if, if Ferrari do Lewis's go off the board. Team. If Mercedes have managed to and it feels to pull like something out of 80, the uh, technological bag, Lewis, when it was Nico ahead, and Lewis, it, it would like be a if, if Valtteri continues to charge and win this. And you know, so that's I think why I'm a bit downcast. That that's why I'm fearing. The Mercedes dominance because I know we're not going to be we're not going to be treated to a proper title fight then uh, it feels that way anyway. You kind of do get that feeling unless Bottas makes it happen through his own sheer brilliance, which is not. Un... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yep. Whereas if a vettel drops away. They can kind of use Bottas as their, you know, go off in front or whatever, and and like you say, they they can afford to take take the foot off the gas a little bit if it was not there because they know they've got the two darts sort of thing. I don't know. It's Bottas has he's certainly got the ability to to force to force it. You know, if he's certainly got the ability to turn up, put it on pole, win a weekend yeah, I... from. Lights out this without just, you know, seeing a rival. He has got that ability, so it might come down to him. I think that's the thing. All you, all you, to, you kind of need Lewis to have Vettel's race in a couple race, of those weekends to, to um, force Mercedes into consider him a proper. He title needs to finish like fifth. But if he ends up in a race that's kind of in a way, Vettel also needs to, to go, have a fairly poor race. You just know they're so going to become a three-way title fight. That I'd kind of take. You know, I'm, I'm. I can't I'd ever see a situation where Bottas is in second it and we had being allowed to Merck versus Merck versus Ferrari. Whereas if Lewis was in second because and Bottas it, was in first, it means that Mercedes you know cannot take, in know, any way, I, shape, or form to me that they would play the take their foot off the pedal of either driver. Whereas if it was the other way, the Ferrari keeps them honest in that, and that's kind of where I'm going. And it also gives us the chance that the car is in the Mercedes So in terms of the team backing, you know. Yep. If it, uh... Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what that's what I'm saying. I think it'll be worse because we won't even have Nico challenging Lewis everywhere. We'll have if we end up with a situation where Bottas leads a race, Hamilton is in second, and Vettel is in third. You know they're going to manipulate it for Lewis to, finish, to, to get ahead of Bottas. 
and take maximum points off of Vettel. And that feels a bit a bit grim. Whereas if it was Nico in front of Lewis and Vettel in third, you know that would never happen. No. You know, they would Nico and Lewis would fight all the way. So that's where it's just a bit like I, I just I think I think I'm missing Nico. I think that I'm definitely missing Nico here. I see that he was there on the grid and stuff, and I was like, oh, how cool. I think Brunt, uh, somebody made a comment. Was it Brundle or was it someone yes. else? You, you can't I might have, have been in Austria, so it's actually where they said, oh, you're going to drive Lewis the Ferrari next because season, they'll, Nico. they'll never be the and point he just kind of laughed and, and walked um, away, didn't really Mercedes answer Mercedes are happy for absolutely. him to take points away from Lewis. No, for sure, Nico Rosberg, so I don't no think sense. we'll ever need, drive a Formula 1 car again. He bought us to be within ever. like 5 or 10 points of Lewis in his retirement, uh, and the Ferrari. It did kind of make me just go, oh, I miss Nico. I want him back. So that's what it is. I'm feeling downcast on the Ferrari. For it to avoid being just another season like we've had the last three seasons, it'll just Feeling a, a bit down in the dumps with the game, it's unfortunately. Hopefully, we get a good in the Hungary, you know. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah, obviously they profited from the from the Ferrari chaos towards the end, but should probably touch on uh, probably one of the the more highlights of the race really was uh, Max and Seb's duel in the first half of the race. Did you make of that? Some good on track action. All fair in love and war, you think? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the thing. There is there is still quite a lot of the season to go. Anything could happen. Um, it could Snow simply floor, be that the last right. couple of tracks have, you know, kind of played towards Mercedes um, and just that not to have not worked for the Ferrari. The Ferrari's never been all that great at, at Silverstone, is it really? In the last few seasons, it's not been a great track for them um, for a few years. So, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, they could turn up the Hungara ring and, and really, sh you know, show something off or uh, turn up at Spa and something will happen. So, um I guess we should say uh, ended up being a very good race for Max Verstappen and especially for Daniel Ricciardo getting fourth mm -hmm. and fifth for the Red Bulls. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I I'm. It was good to. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think this is, you know. This is the kind of on-track fighting that we actually should be asking for. And the problem was this, that God, God damn you, social media, that as soon as it happened, my timeline was filled with Max Verstappen vans telling the world how Vettel had shoved him off track. And then Ferrari fans saying about how Max was moving in the braking area again. And it's just kind of like, well, look, he pro they, probably, they probably both did, but not in a way that was really dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Max 
did you know moved as late as he possibly could without actually chopping in front of, of Sebastian and cut off uh, that overtake. Sebastian got into the, the position where if he held his line, Max had a choice of either breaking or going off the track. Max chose to go off the track. You know, he could he could have braked and ended up behind Sebastian going into that. Do you know what I mean? It's it was an an entirely possible way for that that whole thing to go, but he decided he'd stick his foot in and hope that he wouldn't get shoved off the track. Didn't happen. These these are the things that kind of go on. Do you know what I mean? This is this was the kind of action that we were ex- told we were going to see, wasn't it? It was going to be on track duels, and it wasn't going to be about penalising somebody for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As for the social media, it's, it's there's so many people out there who. Social media is full of brilliant, intelligent people who know the sport and, and, and can talk intelligently and have good discussions. But unfortunately, it's also full of people that, that with, uh, without being too impolite, don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and these guys um, have no idea what it's like to drive a 200-mile-an-hour Formula One car. This was firm but fair racing. Um, and it's exactly what we should be encouraging. As you said, it's exactly what we want to see as fans. It was great. It, most people, most normal people who who understand racing would have loved it. It would be nice if it went on a bit longer, for sure. But it was good stuff. And, uh, yeah, no, nobody needs to be penalised or bitching to Charlie or any of that kind of stuff on this one. This was good stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I, I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it from Sebastian up front with Lewis. That's what we really want. We want to see Lewis and, and Seb having this. We want to see how them both having quick cars that can give us that title fight we don't want to see, I mean, I'm speaking for myself here but I don't want to see the Ferrari with all due respect to the Red Bull battling with the Red Bull for third and fourth I want to see up front with um, with Lewis so hopefully we can get that going forward because it, to me it proved again that Sebastian's racecraft is as good as any we know what Max can be like in the mm. in the racecraft scenario so I want to see that with Lewis because Lewis is we don't... A lot of the times when Lewis is, you don't see a lot of it from Lewis because he's often right up the, he's yeah. too quick, quite quite frankly. There's often in that Mercedes, he's he's away, you know, and that's not a discredit to Lewis because he's doing a job that he should be. He's putting it on pole and scampering off and driving blistering hot laps. But, you know, I want to see Vettel and Lewis in a proper tear up up front, you know, that that, that excites me as a fan. And uh, and just uh, going back to what we've said already at length about Ferrari, I want to see Ferrari give Vettel the car capable of doing that. You know how that that could be some proper, proper racing. That the two, not Fernando Alonso notwithstanding, the two best of a generation, scrapping it out up front. That's what we want. So, yeah, nobody, anybody who criticising either guy in this situation on social media for me is just uh, not not the right type of fan that I particularly want to be chatting to on social media there's plenty of good ones out there to chat to uh these guys aren't really for me i'd like to think that uh we come under the category of intelligent <laughs> fans on social well, media well, um, well, i think everybody has to take some people might disagree yeah. some people might some people might not think so i like to think we do but yeah these it's just social media and you'll know yourself it's so full of immature hyperbole that's just like oh you know, immediately calling for disqualifications and penalties and all this sort of thing that no one really knows a lot of the times what they're actually talking about. They just, they see an incident and go from not to a thousand in a click of the fingers without taking a chance to sit and consider the incident and, and think what's actually happened here with a calm rationale 
it's Twitter allows people to just, you know, mouth like you know immediately jump to extremes, and that's not like I I don't like extremism in any any form. Everything should be calm and reasoned and rational. And Twitter doesn't always give the the best platform for that kind of thing. Um, as I say, I like to think that us and a lot of the people we follow and like to chat to and stuff do do can have a, a nice good considered debate uh, most of the time it is but unfortunately you do get the odd um, the odd mentalist <laughs> <laughs> oh dear right um what else happened in the race then we've talked about the top three red bull good weekend danny ricardo came back through the field didn't he yeah um he, what happened to danny why was he so far he down? um did he crash in quali or break down in quality. Oh, it broke down, didn't he? That's right, of course. It was Q1, I think, yeah. as well, was it? So he, didn't, um, he either didn't get out of Q1 or he got out of Q1 and then took enough engine, you know, took a five-place crew penalty that basically meant that he was at the back. Um, but yeah, he was coming through the field and he was able to pass pretty much everybody out with the... Got um, up to... Essentially, he got past yeah. Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg was the highest person that he passed until, obviously, Sebastian Vettel dropped. So... Had yeah. Vettel not had that problem, he'd have ended up uh, a sort of net sixth, which would have been amazing from 19th realistically. So, um, yeah, it was a very good drive. And I mentioned on Twitter that um, that was a great drive. I was I was going through some of my frustrations with the race, and it was kind of my kind of point was like, this has been great stuff from Danny, and he, he but there's only so much watching a, a quicker car pass a slower car. <laughs> Yeah, can get you excited because that's what he was doing. You know, he was coming through the field, and it was a it was a cracking drive. But he was passing the Williams and the Force India, and the Red Bull obviously is quicker than those cars. It is, um, so it, you know that that's good, and it was great to see Danny have a good drive there. But I want to see cars of equal machinery up the front battling, and that felt that we were sort of from you know from a race as a whole, we were kind of just denied that there wasn't really any battles. Um, between first and second or second and third really that really got exciting out with you know max and seb but it didn't last very long Yeah, nothing was sustained was it that was the problem no and and then we had this one-stop strategy which set me into another little meltdown which because it was two, two races in a row where we had a one-stop strategy where it was just kind of flat from a strategy point of view where everybody just had one compound and then they kind of jumped onto the other comp and that was it really and that, that 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 for me is boring. Uh, I like some strategy. So this that that the strategy and also the sort of lack of serious fight at the sharp end was what made this Grand Prix a little bit flat for me. Um, and then the Ferraris at the end sent me over the <laughs> off the deep end. That sent me over the edge. I was already feeling a bit flat. That sent me off the deep end. But credit to Danny for a very good drive coming through the field. Uh, just would have liked to have seen a bit more up the sharp end. Yeah. Um, Hulkenberg did his usual lonely race for Renault in which he wasn't really close enough to the people in front of him. Um, but he was... He's becoming a bit of a master, yeah. though, isn't he? Of just putting that Renault in sort of sixth or seventh, you know. It's, you can't argue with it, considering what his teammates doing. No. Cannot argue with that performance at all. Uh, Ocon finishes ahead of Perez. I suppose that's in terms of um, a... a a story is, is quite interesting that, you know, uh, after a couple of uh, tetchy races, shall we say, that um, 
you know, on a normal racing track with nothing else kind of going on. Ocon finishes ahead of Perez. I think that's a, that's a little feather in the cap for uh, Esteban, uh, not Sebastian. I'm becoming, I'm inc- becoming increasingly quite smart on um, yeah. Ocon. I think he's, he's definitely got something. He's, he's taken the chance that he's got this year um, in both hands, really. After, I, you know, we, I have to say I was very critical of Force India for picking him up instead of Verline. Uh, thought that was a very much the wrong decision, but uh, it definitely looks to be a very smart decision from Force India. It looks like they've probably got the um, the better end of that detail. Because the other thing is that Ocon seems to be a little less, um, you say, uh, Verline seems to have a, a bit of an edge to him, doesn't he, about team <laughs> yeah, interactions and stuff. Uh, and the Ocon and Perez as well. well <laughs> they've had their own moments yeah, as well. I think only but... recently though, isn't it? You, you don't. You certainly don't hear Ocon on the on the team radio no, lambasting it's more the Sergio, team. Isn't it? Yeah, Sergio's Sergio's more likely to to pipe up a little bit in that scenario, I think. But um, what I was going to say about Ocon just is that you know he's he's got Sergio Perez's team out there, a guy who's been in Formula One for nearly ten years or something It'll like be that. Close so to. yeah. And he's competing every single weekend. If he's not finishing ahead of him, he's finishing alongside him, right behind him. It's you go into a weekend and think Ocon Perez, who's going to win that? What could be a 50 50 between the two, sort of thing? There's not a lot between them. And for Ocon to have the experience level he does versus the experience level of Perez, you know, that certainly says something about Ocon. So I, I was on in your camp 100% at the start of the season. I looked at that and said, it's a bit of a bit of a weird one from Force India, isn't it? you know, raise an eyebrow. But, you know, fair play. Uh, we got that one wrong a little bit. Force India have made a, what looks like being a pretty shrewd decision. And uh, you have to say if, that Ocon certainly, if he keeps going, if he drives like this in the Force India for two seasons maybe, he'll be knocking on the Mercedes door mm. at some point. Yeah, so. it, does feel, it does feel that he's, uh, he's definitely jumped the queue somewhat to be uh, in the frame um, for a... Not a team leader drive, but certainly, you know, if if they don't take up Bottas or they take Bottas on for another year and then go, man, not sure. You know, Esteban's there really to... uh... You have to think that he's only going to improve with experience. He's still not even completed a full season. So, (laughs) you know, if he does another, say, even two years in the Force India where he's in in the fifth, sixth, seventh, nicking a podium here and there, maybe, he'll he'll be in line... They'll be the next in line as anybody, you know. He's going to be right in that category for the promotion. So, I think Ocon can be pretty satisfied with the season so far, despite some uh, <laughs> some touchy moments with Perez. I could just imagine Sergio's maybe not the easiest man. Uh, you to, get the feeling he wasn't to be around. If you irritate Jensen Button, you're probably doing, you know, you've you've done something fairly well to to get up his nose because Jensen was always very very calm, but you know. <laughs> he was sort of going, "What's what is Sergio doing <laughs> in in the McLaren?" I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I get the feeling that Sergio is very uh, driven, um, possibly mm-hmm. to the point where it, you know a, a lot of sensible or maybe some um, you know some subtlety in in what he goes about and how he goes about what he does is is, is lost slightly. Tenth uh, place for Felipe Massa in the Williams. Um, Seemingly a, f- a fairly uh, lucky tenth place for Felipe. Really, um, fighting Stoffel Van Dorn all, all race, realistically, um, and Stoffel saying after the race, Stoffel finished in eleventh for for the McLaren. Um, 
it was on the first pit stop. You know, he was ahead of Massa at the pit stop, came out behind him and wasn't able to um, then get him back on track. Um, that kind of sums up the problem with the race for me a little bit, is that, you know, there was the one stop and then after the one stop, it was kind of like difficult for people to to then do anything. There wasn't another stop, so they couldn't try anything contrary on strategy. It was kind of just like once that first stop was out the way, it kind of petered out a little bit for a lot of the guys, which was kind of the problem for me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Um... Now, if you've got, it just gives you another variable. If you've got another stop to make, then you can say, okay, well, we've lost out on this pit stop here. Will we stop them early? Will we stop them late? Let's try something a little bit different. Let's see if we can get this back. But if you come out two or three seconds behind the man that you're racing and these are both on the same tyres with similar pace, you're not really going to be able to do anything. They're just going to stay. The gap's going to maintain until the end of the race. Yeah. A bit boring. Uh, but that in itself, that eleventh place on, you know, actual race pace is decent. Yeah. Decent. You know, Stoffel um, outqualified Alonso this race. So again, you know, he seems to be coming to grips with the car somewhat. I think it. You know, it, it probably is just one of those things, isn't it? That uh, as Honda bring things that break less, you can get that little bit more. They can get that little bit more out of them. Um, the um, was, I can't remember if it was you or anyone else that tweeted the Honda engine that looks like an alien looking through a telescope. Did I did. That? Yeah, I replied to it that. It, it reminded me of the um, the the eight, uh, robot from the moon of Wallace and Gromit. It looks so. I couldn't. I hadn't seen like. Now I couldn't unsee it. No. You know, as soon as somebody made that comment about it, I just looked at it and went, "Yes, exactly what that looks like. It's amazing." Vadov <laughs> <laughs> uh, finished both of the Haas guys, and the Haas guys were looking good in Austria. Yeah. I think they got points in Austria and stuff. So, yeah, it's a good result for Stoffel. Every, we talk about McLaren every week. You know, everybody wants to see McLaren bring it. Even me, a uh, dyed-in-the-wool Ferrari <laughs> colours man, you know, wants to see. I'm literally the kid who's first Formula One season growing up was watching Hakkinen and Schumacher and Irvin and Coulthard battle it out, like, and I was always a Ferrari man. But even I want to see the McLaren sort it out, for goodness sake. So, yeah, let's let's hope it's it's a good weekend for them in Hungary. Hungary, you'd think, should suit It's them. the non-power um, circuit, isn't it? It's a bit like Austria in that, that um, you know, you're not so reliant on the engine giving you top whack out of it so um you know there's it, 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 if alonso could grab something like a ridiculous seventh place do you know what i mean just manage to wring the neck out of that and get like four, four well, i can't remember how many points there is, thing is if, or something like that, if the car if the car could stay in one piece till the end <laughs> it would help i think it? he could <laughs> he could do that like he has the ability to do that and the car, car is you know got generally something enough about it for him to be able to put it in the points it's just if he can get it there if he can get it to lap 60 in one piece yeah. like like if, if you know it, Alonso will put that car in the points it's just not it's not keeps it's a problem yeah you know? I, so, I think the thing is is that you know if he if, if he could turn up at this race or stuff or whatever and they you know they could get a seventh place something that puts like three or four points in the pocket, it just pushes them either up to the level of or ahead of Sauber, who are unlikely to score points again this season. 
Um, and that yeah, means I mean, the fact that, that McLaren have less than Sauber. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it then means in the future races, if they're picking up ninth and tenths for one or two places, they're not still trying to chase that Sauber target. They're, they're kind of already ahead, and then they can just increase on that and, and, and kind of keep on going for the rest of the season. And although that's not what we want to see from, from McLaren, it has to be some defining point of their season that they kind of have to put on enough points on the board so that if Sauber have a ridiculous race, um, you know, they don't end up in an either uh, unassailably ahead or hopefully don't end up ahead at all. Um, it will be a, a particularly low, low if 2017 ends with McLaren scoring less points than Sauber, this particular Sauber team. That will be pretty grim. You know, yeah. for a team that should... You know, this was meant to be the year of progress, the third year of the Honda, that, you know, that would be, on the face of it, regression. You know, finishing behind one of the worst Sauber teams we've ever seen. So, really, you're right. They need to do something about, about Sauber. If they can't compete with the Toro Rosses and the Hasses and the Renaults, not great. Worse than not great. Poor, but not competing with the Sauber is, is just that extra level of disappointment, you know. So, the thing is, as well, as you look at that car on, on pure pace, if it can complete the race, you have to you say it's absolutely as good, if not better, than the Hassies, Toro Rossos. One weekend, you know, to next. It might not, it might, one weekend it might finish ahead of Hass, one weekend it might finish behind them. But on pure pace alone, it's in and amongst that group who are on 25, 30 constructors' mm-hmm. points. On pure pace alone, it is of that caliber for sure. But the fact is, they've got 25 to 30 constructor points, and then McLaren has two. <laughs> yep. And that tells you it's just, it's just, it just keeps breaking down. It's just reliability. Because on pure pace alone, it has absolutely the level of the Renault, the Haas, and the Toro Rosso. But I think, you know, maybe the Williams, maybe the Williams as I, well. Williams has only got 41 constructor points. I think the whole thing is, is that it, if you, you know, if we, if you'd been bolting a Mercedes engine in that with the chassis that it seems oh, to have on it, 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 it's fifth probably in the constructors' championship. I yeah. think it's it's certainly taking on the Red Bulls easily. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I'd be interested to see, you know, with a proper engine in it and that chassis, what it would be doing against the Ferraris and the Mercedes. Maybe it isn't that good, but I certainly think... Well, it's one of those we'll never know, no. really, unless you do it. It's certainly, I have no doubt, for sure. Just looking at the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull are third on 174, Force India are fourth on 95. So there's a 100- gap almost there between Red Bull and Force India. It's hard to not believe that McLaren wouldn't be in and around that gap somewhere yeah. um, with a Mercedes engine in the back of that car. We'll never know for sure, but it, I'm pretty confident. It and like I've seen enough. That's the thing, isn't it? Like I say, I see enough in the pace of the car when it can get it to the end. Um, that and it's, it's not going to the straights. It's just, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, when you're going through the corners, it doesn't seem like people can easily sort of breathe past it. It's only in the bits where the other cars can get up to, to a high up. speed, and then the you know the the McLaren tops out so much earlier. There is no contest. You just have to you just have to look at what Fernando is able to do in it at certain tracks that sort of favour it more than others. He's able to compete, and he's able to race with all those midfield guys. When you know there's going to be some circuits where they just get blown away, as you say, but at the tracks where engine power isn't necessarily the be-all and end-all. You just have to look at what Alonso was able to do with it. And he's in there and he's fighting and he's competing. And you find yourself going, oh, the McLaren's looking good this weekend. It's squaring up with Grosjean for 10th place. And the problem you've got then is in the second third of the race, oh, Grosjean's uh, 
he's in tenth, and where's Alonso? Oh, he's he's broke down. That's that's what's happened to Fernando. Yeah. So and that's the problem. So he's either he's either on a in a power circuit where he's getting blown away, or he's breaking down when he's on a circuit that he's given a chance to compete with these guys. It's just there's there's no winning really, and um, the biggest problem they've got now is that it's it could cost them arguably the best driver on the grid. So. I mean that that future still seems to be unresolved at this stage. I'm not. I think it's. I would rate it a fifty-fifty chance on whether he stays or goes. But it'll be so disappointing if McLaren lose out on Fernando. To think they again, it be the, like having lost them once in two thousand and eight, losing out on again. Wouldn't it be the funniest thing? It'd be more funny though if if he leaves for. Um, Asleep. Yeah, and they, they put a American well, engine even, in the back of it, and it went. Imagine if Honda turn up with an engine next season that puts them right <laughs> at the top. Yeah, imagine they salt yeah. everything all in one foul go. I would pretty much sum up Fernando Alonso's <laughs> entire Formula One career. Like, Destined not just to a... do anything in a McLaren was just basically he should have just said no. Nope, his Renault. career has been his career has been littered with making questionable team <laughs> decisions. You know, leaving Ferrari for McLaren. Initially leaving Renault for McLaren back in the day, leaving McLaren the first time round to go back to Renault. Like it's just his whole career has been a bit like I'm not sure what's happening here, Fernando. <laughs> and what's to be fair, he is managed by Flavio Briatore, so maybe that's what's having to do it. I don't know. Um, Flavio's not exactly the most. Um, what do you say? Yeah. Trying to think of the right word. No, the word I'm looking for is not. Yeah, he's not the most. Um, Ah, there's a word I'm trying to think, but it's late in my vocabulary. It's letting me down. Uh, another word, a fan, a fancy word for normal. Um, but yeah, he's not the most regular type person uh, for uh, Flavio Beatore. He's a bit of a maverick, isn't he? So um, maybe that explains some of Fernando's weird, necessarily weird um, career choices. But Conventional, I think that might be the word I'm looking for. Flavio Briatore is not really a conventional man. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, for McLaren really, if they can keep hold of Fernando for next season, that would be massive. Because one of two things will happen. Either the Honda will improve or they'll get a Mercedes. Um, so if they can keep hold of Fernando, that would be huge for them. That's that, that has to be sort of priority number one, I would think. I I I'm kind of torn. I'm a little bit torn. At this stage, I, I kind of want Fernando to stay. He's been there three years. He's gone through all the all the crap that he's had to put up with. I think it would be a really good story if he stays and the McLaren finally gets it right and he's able to challenge. But at the same time, I also want to see Fernando Alonso win races and challenge for titles. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he's better off moving. So I'm a bit torn 50-50 on what I want and what, what I think he should do and stuff. So I'm just going to kind of sit on the fence and, and, and wait out for the next few months and see what he decides to do because I'm not 100% sure what he'll do and I'm not 100% sure what he should do. Hello? Yeah, yeah, Hello? no, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I, I, I've given up guessing what's going to happen really. I'm just going to wait and see. <laughs> just the... Yeah, I think that's going to... That's again a more damning a little bit as well at the moment. Wait if I see. guess, I'll just end up disappointed, uh, or I'll be happy but not expecting it. So uh, just let's see how it rolls and and and, and how that's going to go. Uh, you cannot do anything else with a Briatore managed Fernando Alonso. 
We are getting into silly season though, so it should be some. Well, silly season you know, apparently is actually 2019, isn't it? It's this concept that nothing is going to happen next year. Um, is but, that right? But yeah. Once next year's done, like about four or five people's contracts are all kind of up for renewal. So <laughs> there's, you know, there's time for teams to put in offers and say, okay, that's fine. You know, next season we'll just leave it as it is, and then let's see. You know, I'm can done. we can we grab a Daniel Ricciardo or a Max Verstappen? Can we grab a yeah. whoever, uh, an Alonso or a uh, you know a whoever from from whatever team? So, I mean, there's still Vettel's got his new deal as well that he needs to. See people commenting that you know he he kind of holds holds a bit of the key if he stays at Ferrari. No, then they're saying that stuff he, will fall into place. Apparently, he wants, he wants Kimmy, Kimmy next to year for a hundred percent. Yeah, so. yeah, which you can kind of understand because he knows he's going to get support from Kimmy. Whereas yeah, you don't know if Danny comes yeah. in or Max comes in or whoever comes in. It's, a, it's, a, it's another variable for Vettel. It's another unknown. It's funny enough, really. Not. He's all completely understandable. And it's why I kind of don't understand why, why when you, if you suggest on Twitter something like Lewis would prefer Valtteri because he seems to be, you know, he seems to be easier to, you know, work with and, and is likely to be ahead of. And, you know, uh, Mercedes are less torn about, you know, the situation than Nico. Well, of course he's going to want to keep him. You know, at the moment he's ahead of him comfortably, um, and and doing fine. And doing fine. There's less aggro and all the other bits and pieces. Like, why wouldn't he put pressure on Mercedes to keep Valtteri Bottas than go and um, get yeah. Max Verstappen or or Daniel Ricciardo? Do you think Michael Schumacher would have liked to have seen the back of Rubens Barrichello? Well, exactly. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. Like, I'm sure Michael Schumacher would really prefer to have had like a Fernando Alonso or a Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't somebody think so. young and hungry as he's trying desperately to cement his legacy it's not you know uh, i don't have a problem with number one and number two drivers and team stru- structures i grew up as i said with that you know as a kid watching the ferrari and watching mika and dc at mclaren and things like that so that's kind of just the way it's always been for me and so i've always kind of accepted and been okay with the concept of a number one and a number two driver so i've never really got a bee in my bonnet about that kind of thing so for vettel to say I'd like Kimmy to stay, or for Lewis to say, I'd like Valtteri to stay. I'm, I'm kind of just like, that's cool. That's just, to me, at the top end, at the upper echelon of F1, that's just the way it is. You have a number one and a number two. And that's just the norm for me. So it doesn't bother me. If Vettel wants Kimmy to stay, and it means we, we as Ferrari keep hold of Vettel and you know push Vettel as the championship contender and Kimmy as the, the number two, then I'm okay with that. If it was up to me, I'd probably replace Kimmy. I think Kimmy's time is kind of done. But if if keeping Kimmy means keeping Seb, then that's that'd be something I'd be prepared to make because I don't think changing Kimmy would changing Kimmy for a Hulkenberg or whoever I, w- I would would be fine. But also keeping Kimmy, it wouldn't make too much of a difference either way. Whereas first priority has to be keep hold of Seb. So. If it means keeping hold of Seb, I would keep Kimmy. If you know, if Seb was happy to have say Hockenberg come in, a fellow German, something like that, that would also be fine. Just whatever for me, what we for Vettel is the priority, and whoever's the number two is the number two, and that that is like I will be gutted, completely gutted if, if Vettel leaves Ferrari. I don't think he will. I'm pretty confident the deal will be done. I don't really see where he can go outside of doing some insane swap with Lewis, which would just blow the roof off everything um 
if Vettel came to if Vettel went to Mercedes and right, that would be serious, serious game changer. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I think it's in everybody's best interest for Vettel to agree his future at Ferrari and Hamilton's agree his future at Mercedes. So whatever, basically whatever, whatever we have to do to kind of keep Seb on form and keep Seb happy, I'd be prepared to do. <laughs> the, the only thing that would make me possibly okay if Vettel left is if Vettel jumped ship, pulled a pulled a sort of Fernando leaving Ferrari. I've had a to try my luck elsewhere. And Ferrari said, okay, and replaced him with a returning Nico Rosberg. That would be the only thing. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Only thing, it would be hilarious. The only thing that would keep me happy. But nah. Um, basically, let's let's keep hold of Seb first and foremost priority. Um, because the, obviously the interesting thing is that with, with Mercedes' announcement that they're going to quit DTM and go into Formula E, there's obviously everybody's now saying, oh, Nico Rosberg. How would you fancy being part yeah. of Mercedes team before? I'd actually be really down for that. That'd be very cool to have a, a that, recent. Tell you what, mate, that would, make me watch, that would make me watch Formula E hands down. Like I've I've watched one or two races over three or four years. I've literally not taken to it at all. Not through any dislike for the concept of that. I just don't have a lot of time. You know, I'm a busy work a lot, watch a lot of sport. You know, there's only so many things in my life that I can kind of focus on and, and give a lot of time to. And it's just, it's not quite captivated me in the way it could have done. But if Nico turned up for it and signed a proper contract and said, this is, he's, we're going to win a Formula E championship with Nico Rosberg and Mercedes, that, that would that would make me set up and take be very cool. I mean, and, uh, you'd have to say he'd be the first man to win both the F1 World Championship. I wonder. I just wonder if that might give him a little bit. Of <laughs> I'd do it because you just know it would probably irk Lewis just a little bit that it was a first he a... couldn't. You know, no, there's no way that he could ever sort of beat that <laughs> unless unless he did that his... and like Indy 500 <laughs> and uh, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, sitting on his couch there with his lovely wife and his kid. I mean, hell, a wee itch, he. I mean, a wee itch to scratch. He could probably do Formula E. <laughs> Kind of part time, you know. Yes. The, you know, I don't think he'd have to put. He wouldn't have to put this, the same sort of energy and effort in as Formula One, surely. No, probably I mean, not. I, I'm just, I'm just kind of, kind of Josh, and I don't really know the physical demands of Formula E in comparison to F1. I don't know if it's the same, if worse, if better. Who knows? I, I don't know enough about about the Formula E game to make a fair comment on that. But um, yeah, I just wonder if Nico's getting a bit of a bit of a, a bit of an itch there. I wonder, like you said, double double world champion. Formula E first, and Formula First man to be both would be... Uh... He could... I wonder if he wins it in his first season. Uh... And then immediately retires again. Yeah. <laughs> immediately retires, yeah. That would be hilarious. And then re- he re- retires as both form- unbeaten Formula E and uh, <laughs> yeah. F1 yeah, champion. That would be hilarious. That'd be cool, that would be cool. That would be quite funny. I'd love that, actually. That's... <laughs> I, I, I would properly take notice. If Rosberg signed that, to me, it'd be like... I don't want to. I hate using too many wrestling analogies because I know most of our of our followers um, probably don't really care about that <laughs> kind of thing. But for me, for me, that would be Hogan joining WCW. Yeah, um, that would be like proper. Like, okay, here's a, a real stars turned up. You know, uh, so yeah, that's that's what it would be for me. Uh, I'd, I'd certainly take notice. Um, I guess one person we should talk about last, just for the British Grand Prix, just to kind of wrap everything up, um, is Danny Kvyat. Covering himself in even more glory, ah <laughs> uh, yes, or, or essentially even more parts of carbon fiber of his own teammate's car. 
He's apparently been re-signed for next year, though. Is that well? Right? Th- there's nothing sort of stating anything different, really. Which kind of y- and Carlos is jumping at the bit to get out. So you'd think they're going to want to keep at least one of them on board. Well, that's so weird, isn't it? That's the that's the weird thing, isn't it? That it seems so much more likely now that Carlos Sainz is going to go have to go somewhere else, um, and Gasly will probably take Carlos Sainz's seat, which seemed. Which, given especially the last two races, sounds mental. But actually, you you can follow <laughs> the logic now. You can kind of say, well, you know, as mental as Kvyat has been these last two races into the first corner, um, he's a company boy. He took, you know, he's taken wheelbarrows of poo from Red Bull and just got on and done his job and, you know, been a pretty decent racer all in all, bar his, you know, few moments of madness. Um, he just needs to keep it out the bloody wall and out of other people's cars. Like, we know he's quick. He's genuinely quick. Kvyat. He just needs to chill yeah. a little bit. It's frustrating, you know. But it could be really. But you know, again, leads to well, where the hell's Carlos Sainz going if if they're not? But it's kind of it's so bizarre, isn't it? That this obvious thing that I mean, Kvyat will go and Gasly will go in is now been replaced with Carlos Sainz is shot himself in the foot um, and Kvyat is going to win the day by keeping his mouth shut and just getting on with, you know, just doing, just doing driving and, and not saying anything else. It's interesting as to what science will do. I think, it, it, you know, if Vettel manages to keep hold of Raikkonen in the Ferrari, like you say, everything might stall a year to the following yeah. season. Whereas if Raikkonen decides he's had enough of Ferrari, say, look, Seb, we're bringing in someone else, then that's, that, that changes everything because then you've got the two Red Bull guys, you've got someone like Hulkenberg, you've got someone like Perez, all angling for the Ferrari seat, and then it trickles down and then someone will open up for Carlos potentially. Like if, if a Red Bull guy, say Danny Rick, turned around and said, I can't turn down Ferrari, then boom, Carlos goes in the Red Bull. Or, or if maybe someone like... Hulkenberg was in the Ferrari. Carlos might say, oh, I'm sick of driving a Toro Rosso to chance Marmot and hope that they bring something for next season. I don't know. I, like, I think the obvious... Pl- but if Raikkonen stays, then I think everybody stays. You know what the, I'm saying? The only like, obvious place that you can go after that is, is Massa's seat at Williams if um, you know he mm-hmm, retires mm-hmm. again and signs is on the market, then they'd almost be sort of kind of stupid not to Not to, Yeah, around, exactly. But, look at him. Um, that's the that seems like the only seat that would open up in any way, shape, or form. It's starting to feel a bit like Raikkonen holds the key to everything here. If he stays, then and and I suppose there is Bottas as well. But I'm, I don't know. I think Bottas will. I think Bottas will keep his seat. He'll certainly keep it for next year. But it's it's the year after yeah. that that's the interesting. It's if he gets more than a so, year extension on his contract. So so if Bottas and Raikkonen both manage to hold on to their spots as as number two guys in the top two teams, Verstappen and Ricardo have nowhere to go. And then, as you get further down, Perez and Ocon don't really have anywhere to go. Mm-hmm. Hulkenberg isn't going anywhere. He's just made his big move to Renault. So he's probably the next three or four years pushing that team forward, trying to get that team back to where, where it used to be. So the only, the only way Hulkenberg leaves Renault is if Ferrari comes yeah. So he isn't, he isn't going to go. And then, so there's no really anywhere else, like you see, behind for Carlos Sainz, except potentially Williams. So, yeah, and, I mean, unless... Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And like, like I said, unless Alonso does something, yes, yeah, something mad at McLaren. Yeah, I'm just getting the feeling the more I think about it, that everything might just 
like you say, be 2019 and everybody will stay. We might, yeah, for one more year, we'll have the silliest season ever at the end of the 2018 series. Which would be quite cool. Yeah, I think that might end if the whole thing got swapped around, wouldn't it? If all the of all the second place just with, drives all well, suddenly with, became open, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It would be fun for a you know a fan of the sport and there's people who like to comment and write about the sport. That would be awesome. And it is starting to feel that that, that is the case. I thought it would be this season because I was convinced Kimmy would go. But just this this news of the last couple of weeks that Seb's pulling for Kimmy has kind of said to me, well, everything might just chill for another year yet. Like that is starting to feel a lot like that might be the case. And then I wonder if Fernando might look at that and say, Well, I'll just wide my time here. I'll do one more year at McLaren. Yeah. He might he's, he's three year deals up, he might say to McLaren, Look, I'll stay, but I want a one year rolling contract. And then that gives him the option of one more year at McLaren. And if Honda bring it, fine. If they change to Mercedes, fine. Or if it doesn't work out, then he's got his break at the end of the twenty eighteen to look at what gaps might move up up the front. So it might end up being, being like you say, all about 2019 and all about everybody just being patient and buying the time, which might make a bit of a boring transfer market this year. But mm-hmm. then, boom, like you say, the only big silly season. The oh, only big thing on the horizon that I can see that would would, would drive a wedge in anywhere is um, Charles Leclerc. At, uh, he is the real deal, he's, isn't he? He's doing Stoffel Van Dorn levels of destroying GP2. Um, and you know you, you can't ignore that kind of talent. They couldn't ignore it at McLaren. You know they had to go. Well, we can't. You know have Stoffel hanging around the team for another year, not driving. He has to go in the car. Sorry, Jensen. You know as much as you know we value in the team and all the bits and pieces. That's got to happen. Um, you know how how long can Ferrari say? You know, uh, okay, he goes in the Haas. Can we force somebody out of the Haas? But at the moment, the Haas. Has not already, really. They've already re-signed Magnussen and Grosjean for next year. Yeah, that seems like a good if, stable team generally. Um, so I wonder if the, the Ferrari might do. If Charles Leclerc, if he wins F two this year, and then I wonder if they might do one season where he's not an F one. He's, he's doing all the F three. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the he's the third driver, and then cross the bridge in twenty nineteen. That that's to me the way it would it would look, and then maybe in twenty nineteen you can either force them in sideways to a pass or a sour or whatever, and then or Kimi goes at the end of twenty eighteen and you bite the bullet and put him straight in the Ferrari, which would be a bold call, but the kid looks like he could be talented enough to do so. Yeah, you can't risk losing so, him, can you? That's the sort of thing. Yeah. So again, as we said before, I think it might come down to twenty nineteen. I think they might give him a full season of being. Around test. the team, every yeah. every every single weekend he's there with the F1 team. He's doing all the FP3s. He's doing everything as the third driver, I think. And 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 you kind of get away with winning F2 and then doing a full season of that, and then put him in the car. I think that would be okay. Uh, I've seen there's a few drivers that have that, took that kind of route. That would be fine. Um, anything longer than that, then no, he has to go in the car. But I think one year out of F2 as a third driver would be would be manageable and would be fine. Um, yeah, so which would leave it being 2019 again that you'd have to cross the bridge with them. So, should we just fast forward to 2019 yeah. and see what I'd happens? Always, yeah. yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite happy to skip 2018 at the moment. It seems. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly going to be fun. And then you got, like you say, Massa, his future. 
I got a feeling Massa might stay on for next year. He's getting he weird, isn't it? This year. Do you know what I mean? Should have yeah. retired, but now you wouldn't be surprised if he did another two years <laughs> after retiring. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't, um, especially with Stroll going in there, inexperienced guy. Unless Williams can secure a Carlos Sainz or someone like that, kind of makes sense to keep Massa around, I suppose. So, yeah, we'll see. What else has been going on anyway? We've more or less covered the race. I don't think any of us were overly enthusiastic about it. Alonso DNF'd again. What was his problem? Uh, engine. engine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and obviously signs uh, because of... signs taken out by Fiat first corner. Uh, do I want to talk about and this? Palmer Sean? didn't get started. Sean, what do you want to talk I don't about? Want, you want to ta- I don't you talk, want to talk about, about whatever about. you want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> Go on. How do you feel about the halo? Oh, oh, the halo. Of course, the halo. Oh, I <laughs> like, see, halo. I knew. I didn't want to say <laughs> it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to. We've um, been we've been chatting for about an hour, and I'd actually, I'd actually, despite being a bit apprehensive about how disappointing the the Silverstone Grand Prix was, it's been a fun chat. I've been enjoying the show, and um, I'd, I'd actually forgot all about the Halo for the hour we've been chatting there until you brought it up. It completely gone out of my mind. Yeah, the Halo. Uh, I hate it. I really hate it. I hate um, it. But this is this is my problem with. It's a big problem I have with Formula One at the moment in general. And it's to do with Formula One Germanism in that there are a lot of people who will very sloppily put out things saying, why don't they just make it close cockpit and close wheeled while they're at it? Why don't they just wrap the drivers up in cotton wool? Why, you know, um, it's going to drive away everybody from Formula One and, and, and all the hyperbole and we can't, we can't get the real discussion going on it, which is head protection is an important topic. Keeping F1 drivers safe is an important thing. And nobody has the right who isn't a current Formula One driver to say um, anything about a device that the drivers want to have on the car. And the only person, people that I've kind of seen that said that they don't want any kind of, um, head protection i think the only person that said that so far is lewis hamilton uh i think everybody else has, has said uh, i don't we don't like the look of the halo but head protection in itself is something that we're we're behind generally so that that has what's been really depressing for me is just watching people um some people who i expect it from and then some people who i know can craft better arguments and really you know debate a topic properly just going straight for the, ah, this isn't Formula One, you know, uh, it's open cockpit, open wheel, and it always has been and stuff like that. And you just kind of think, you know, what did people say when they raised the size of the cockpits, you know, after 94 to try and protect drivers' heads? And they said, oh, well, it hides a thing, you know, drivers' heads should, you know, you can't see the drivers, it's hiding the hiding these people from the thing. And, and Brundle said it as well, and that's that really annoyed me because it's such a weak argument. Do you know what I mean? To say, oh, well, you can't see the driver very well with these things on. It's just like, well, that's that's not the point, is it? The point isn't seeing a driver's helmet in a car. It's watching a car being driven by somebody spectacularly. And if I can't really mm-hmm. see their helmet very well, and that's the worst thing that comes from having some kind of head protection system, then so effing what? I don't care if that stops drivers dying because 
something is deflected away from their head, then good. That that's fine with me. I, I can live with that. Now, that isn't to say, and this is the other problem, is that as soon as you start saying stuff like that, people just go, Oh, but it's really ugly and and it's you know, it's a horrible thing. And it's just like, yeah, you're completely right. It's ugly. It's probably not even potentially the best solution to the problem by a long way. Um you can't possibly tell me that after one half test of the shield, as they're now calling it, rather than Red Bull's aero screen, that if there are jet fighter pilots flying about in the skies in a plane at hundreds of miles an hour, that they haven't thought of a way to stop, you know, the distortion that was making Seb feel dizzy. You you can't tell me that that isn't possible because it clearly is possible. It's just that it hasn't been investigated properly. And then this comes to the second thing that frustrates me about Formula One is when the FAA decide to get their bee in a bonnet about something and they push something through without doing proper testing, without thinking about it. And it just annoys everybody for no, no good reason. There's no reason they have to rush it through or they had to say by 2018, we will have extra head protection. They didn't have to do that. They chose to do that. They chose to make that some kind of mission statement that they then have to be held accountable to. They didn't have to do it like that. They could have sat there and spent the time finding alternatives, working, doing proper testing, you know, taking last year's cars and getting those driven around, having things thrown at them, you know, uh, to, to test how well all of these bits and pieces work, have drivers testing out all of the various different options that they could have done to see which ones worked, which ones didn't work, which ones would cause problems. You know, if you do a full cockpit, is there a way of negating the fact that if the car's upside down, the you know the the driver can't get out all, all of these sort of questions that you could ask and try and find solutions to they just haven't done and that's the problem that i have with the halo is that i don't think it's the best solution and it's been rushed in for no good reason the reason for it existing is good the reason for having head protection is good and needs to be explored and should be explored and shouldn't be dismissed and anybody who does dismiss it i think is frankly wrong and you know, argue with me if you want. Argue with me that Formula One should always be uh, fatally dangerous. There should always be an obvious way that drivers can be killed. Good for you. You argue that point all you want. You'll never have any truck with me about you know. I think which way around that should be. This is why this is why we're friends because you. If I was to write an article on how, what my opinion on this subject. I would just copy and paste what you just said, basically. <laughs> like, I literally have nothing to add. You've summed up everything. I would say you've literally hit every bullet point I'd aim to hit, which would be philosophically an ideology, the right thing to do, current design flawed and looks bad, also the FIA are numpties. <laughs> <laughs> you've basically summed up everything I wanted to say. So, yeah, like, I don't have much to add, honestly. You've spent five minutes there discussing it at length, and I've just went, yep, 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 that that's exactly what I would say. So, yeah, I completely agree. Like, particularly about the FIA, um, you know, kind of backing themselves into a corner. And it's not just a halo. It's, it's everything that they do, pretty much. It's particularly frustrating. Knockout qualifying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, you know, the list of length of your arm, refueling, tyres, all that kind of thing. Um, so that, yeah, completely agree. And then, yeah, on the Halo specifically, yeah, you've summed it up. It's, 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 I, I think the aero screen slash shield looks nicer, could potentially be more effective as well, as you've alluded to. And also, uh, yeah, your, your, your little sort of 
suggestion that there might be the odd uh, the odd person or two on social media that that once again don't really know what they're talking about. So you've covered every base I was looking. It's not a very fun subject for me to discuss. I've tried to stay away from it. Like I, 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 I just don't find it that interesting. Like what they do, what they don't do. You know, we'll see in in Albert Park next year what they come up with ultimately. But you've summed up everything. I, I, I think I'd like to say we, as a duo, I think, and as a show, have a fairly consistent belief uh, overall between us. I think we're both very much on the same sort of page with that kind of thing. So, what you said, I have to I absolutely, I would agree. Excelente. Well. On that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up the podcast. It's been going long enough. Um, <laughs> so, any other bits of news? Uh, bits is the big thing, I think, isn't it? That's the only thing that I've really. A <laughs> cool a headline that I loved today was "Button almost joined Williams three or four, four times." times. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Really uh, that I just go, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ron, um, you, you know Jensen Button. You know you kind of don't really need him. You've got Magnussen and and, and Stoffel. You couldn't just, you know, we couldn't just have him. Would you? Would you? Claire, no. <laughs> He's in all the cartoons now. We can't let him go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. That was a good, a nice little. I think that's a bit comical given some of the sort of other more serious stuff that kicks about F1. That was pretty funny. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, not much else. Not much else um, going on, really. I don't think that like you say Kibitza. We'll see what happens with that that story still to burn. I think we're talking about Spa. We'll see. Could be amazing. Could be amazing. It's interesting. He's not done an FP3 yet, though, has he? So no, he's done that an really that has test, to, which was longer than a Grand see, Prix. But it seems to think that in a, in, a, in an old car, which is fine. You know, the old cars are still tough to drive. But I'd like to see him do a do an FP3 in these 2017 cars. And then that would give us an idea of where he's at competitively with everybody else on the grid and things like yeah. that. I think it would be a little bit premature to punt him straight in for a weekend based on a test in a 2011 car. You know, give him an FP3 and if he starts chugging around lap times in FP3 that are quicker than Julian or is competing with Nico and the rest of the midfield or whatever, then fine, stick him in. But I definitely would like to see an FP3 before we see him on the full weekend, whether whether he gets it or not, time will tell. Like I say, the, the um, there's plenty of reports suggesting that he's going in for Spa, which is just around the corner. So we'll wait and see. Absolutely. Uh, so Hungara ring next in Hungary. Looking forward to that. Um, a track I normally give a bad time, but it actually comes up with the goods more often than not. So I'm going into this weekend. Going into this weekend, pretty optimistic. I'm hopeful the Ferraris can be a bit more on song than they were the last two races. So, touch wood, we'll see. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, been a pleasure to have you on. Sorry if we were a bit grumpy or a bit down on the Grand Prix. It's just going to happen sometimes. We can't always like absolutely everything, you know. Uh, I think we've been fairly positive about the last few Grand Prix. So, we were due one that we could have a good old whinge about. So, there you go. <laughs> Us, whinge, no. <laughs> Never. Never. Um, so, yeah. Austria soon. Uh, uh, Austria? Oh, God. It's because it's, it's, it's the Red Bull ring and I was thinking of the Hungara ring. That was what it was. Yep. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, Austria up next. So uh, we'll have... You just did it again. Did I just do it again? <laughs> you just did it again. <laughs> you went Austria. Oh, oh, wait, Austria. Oh, it's been a long... The Hungara ring. 
Long week. I've had a long week as well, man. <laughs> I've had a long, long week. <laughs> I, 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 I'm six days on the bounce ending today. I worked all weekend. Oh, so if anybody's got a right to make mistakes, it's this Fair guy. Enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Right. Hungary. Hungary, Hungary this and weekend. Then, and then it's the four-week break. Yeah. So summer holidays for everybody. I'm away. I'm going away. Oh, right. I'm going to Monaco. Oh, you did? You said, didn't you, actually? Yeah, you were going to yeah. pass So by. I will take some snapshots of uh of monaco and um you stick them on the twitter account with I, us. i'll need to i'll need to have a look around there's probably there must be some sort of f1 gift shop or something down there i have a nosy about i so. would have thought so looking forward to that yeah so looking forward to the summer holidays but as we said hungary first let's hope it's a good one yeah very much looking forward to it uh hopefully think the uh i think the red bulls will be quick here tight twisted track on i think we're close to the Ferraris and the mercedes I'm kind of um I'm kind of not predicting anything these days because I've been so, <laughs> so miserably start. wrong week after week. I'm just going, I will wait and see, really, and then we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah. Danny Rick's had a win here, though, hasn't he? So Yeah. Well, lots of people it's have had wins here, isn't it? It's a bit of a track for that kind of sort of thing for the odd, yeah. uh, the odd surprise winner. So, uh, it should be good. should be good. So, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Um, like you say, Hungary up next, and we will We'll have a chat after that. And then, as Sean has mentioned, there'll be a break. So we will probably look to try and do some kind of mid-season review or, or some kind of podcast episode in the middle of that to uh, give you some content to enjoy whilst you uh, jones for your next fix of F1. Um, as always, remember that you can keep in touch with us uh, via our, reps- our website, www.lastlappodcast.co.uk, uh, on Twitter, at lastlappodcast, uh, on Facebook, if you can find it. Um, you can contact us uh, via our online uh, Twitter handles individually. So you can contact me directly on at man called Megs. And you can follow me at Firebolt Willow. Uh, and that is that. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you after Austria Hungary. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> see you later. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye.